Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Hi, I'm Barney Black. And I'm Tara Saravan. And we do Bloody Murder. We're a weekly true crime podcast that focuses on some of the lesser-known crime stories from Australia. And indeed around the globe. We're a comedy podcast with a dark sense of humour. But we're dead serious about murder and the people it affects. We find humour in some unexpected places. But never at the expense of the victims or their families. We've been described as the blue cheese of podcasting. Addictive, strong and satisfying. And a bit stinky. I am not. You know you are. Bloody Murder is available on your favourite podcatcher. This podcast involves topics such as violence, sex, and mental illness. If these topics are likely to disturb you or those around you, please reconsider. The privacy and confidentiality of everyone discussed have been carefully protected, and demographics and other details have been changed whenever possible. If you ever feel unsafe or suicidal, please call your local crisis center or the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255. You matter. Hey, this is Kate. As you can hear, my voice is pretty profoundly screwed up, so I'm not going to have a long, extended intro for this one. I had pneumonia, which is a fantastic way to continue this 2019 train of rolling. I, it's not, it's not, and this is not a dare to the universe. I'm not asking for anything more honest, really enough. White flag. Anyway, so... I'm going to do the housekeeping thing up front about the live show happening in Chicago, July 12th, 2019, 7 p.m. at the Arrogant Frog on West Fullerton. I am doing a collaboration with Getting Off. We are presenting a case that will be true crime, but they're coming at it from the legal standpoint and I'm coming at it from the psych standpoint. So it'll include some narrative, but a little extra as we can specially provide for you. There may even be two cases. It's pretty exciting. So I'm holding on to that one. Man, I, literally, even when I'm sick, I'm like, I think I can, I think I can, just to get there. So the other thing that I want to do in Chicago that I'm really excited about, other than sort of the big obvious reason, which is the True Crime Podcast Festival on Saturday the 13th, but with my friends, probably Friday morning, afternoon, we're going to go get tattoos. And there's lots of reasons for that. Some of it is because why not? And it's fun and it's a really neat souvenir. And do I really want to get a tattoo that represents my podcast? 
Yeah. Yeah, I really do. This has been super important to me. It has transformed my life over the past year and a half. And I'm sitting down here in my basement talking to nobody with pneumonia because I love it. Like, not because I feel obligated, not because I feel like I have to to make anybody else happy. It's for me. This is a big deal for me. So, yeah, I want a tattoo to represent that. And there's the bond with friends. That's cool. And just, I mean, there's so many reasons why we get tattoos, right? And that's all a fantastic segue for me into this episode. So I've been listening to this podcast called The Curiosity Hour. I got to know one of the hosts, Tommy, a little bit ago because of another project that he helped me with. And his show is more structured than mine, but in ways similar in the sense that it's trying to get people to tell their stories a level deeper than usual. And I really enjoyed it. So go check them out. Then come back. And he agreed to come on my show. I'm, I'm planning to go on his in a couple of weeks. And he agreed, yeah, yeah, I'll come on Ignorance Was Bliss too. That'll be fun. And we didn't really know what we were going to talk about as per usual. And the conversation veered into the area of tattoos. And we had stories to share. So listen in. He talks about the ones that he has and why he got them. I talk about the ones that I have, why I got mine. And in general, I realize over the course of the next, whatever it is, 45 minutes or an hour, that this dude is a kindred spirit, man. This is one of the reasons that podcasting has just blown my mind. Because why would I ever have contacted some stranger in the Midwest to talk about ink? Are you sure you really want to know? This is Ignorance Was Bliss. My name is Tommy Esplin. Um, I am 40 years old. I live in Missouri, uh, married. I have four kids. Uh, I am the co-host of a podcast called the Curiosity Hour Podcast, um, which is a, a relatively once a week. Um, most of the time it's once a week, but um, we interview a different guest each week where we try to dig in and find out a little bit more about what gives people purpose, what motivates them, what it means to live authentically, um, try to find kind of the arc of their life where we find out what events in their formative years, their childhood, their high school years kind of shaped them into who they are now. Um, and we've interviewed musicians and actors, but we really, we we started the podcast wanting to focus on everyday people because everybody's got a story and everybody has something that we can learn from them. And so while we do enjoy talking to um, people who have done something possibly a little bit more fame inducing, we love talking to people who 
just have these stories that you would never know about from looking at them or from seeing them walk down the street. So we uh, actually just had our 100th episode come out yesterday. Um, and my co-host is actually a high school classmate of mine. We graduated uh, 22 years ago this month, and we saw each other for the first time in 22 years um, about uh, two months ago. But we've been doing this podcast for two and a half years. So he lives up in Iowa. We do it all by phone. And um, it was really cool seeing him again in person for the first time. Um, yeah, I think I kind of got a little sidetracked there. But that's kind of, oh, uh, the podcast is primarily uh, on SoundCloud. But you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So Google Play, Stitcher, uh, Apple Podcasts. Anywhere that you, I think Podbean, all the the main podcatchers, you can get the Curiosity Hour. So yeah, that's really cute that you guys just got together. That's really sweet. Um, <laughs> it's good that, like, you know, I have a plan to to come on relatively soon. Yeah, but it's good that it's not like in the next week or two because. As we know, my life is in a lot of upheaval just now. Absolutely. And so when you talk about what events have shaped my life, well, I pretty much know those. But how? I, I need I need a couple more days to breathe first before I get there. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as on, on my show, it tends to be just sort of wide open on topic. And you and I crossed paths uh, in a Facebook group a little while ago. And then we would just just yesterday texting about what should we talk about and i noticed your profile picture you want to describe that for people sure um i am a tattooed man i have uh six tattoos as of now i'm sure to get more at some point they are absolutely addicting they um, are they, they oh still are. yes um so the tattoo that is my profile picture as of right now is a quote by Asada Shakur and it is love is my sword and truth is my compass. What else? What is left? And, uh, I am a huge fan of the work that Asada Shakur did, uh, along with uh, Angela Davis and Bobby Seale. Um, I think that the civil rights movement, of the, the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and, you know, that continues today. Um, it's absolutely one of the most important things that's happened in the last hundred years. And the, the fullness of that movement from Martin Luther King to Malcolm X and, and the diversity of opinions and the diversity of tactics that that encompassed was just absolutely vital. Um, and they, the, the entire movement needed all of those people. And so I was reading Angela Davis's biography and then Sasha first biography or memoir, I think. And I was just so impressed by this phrase that I knew that I had to get it uh, tattooed. Um, my kind of philosophy of tattooing, I've heard somebody before describe it as tattoos are either a declaration or a and I don't think that's always true. I think that there are some people that just really like whatever it is that they got tattooed, and that's totally fine. Um, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But tattoos can be a declaration or a reminder, and this one is, I think, both. Um, 
It is a declaration to those who see me that this is where I'm coming from, and it is a reminder to myself that this is where I am and who I am. Um, and then my other tattoos, I have on my left forearm the phrase quo vadimus, which is Latin for where are we going? Um, I used to be an elementary school teacher, and I used that phrase with my students because the choices we make now determine in part where we end up. And so um, we always should be thinking about how our choices now are going to impact where we are going. And then on my right forearm, I have um, the word muntu which is U-M-U-N-T-H-U, and it is a Bantu word. It means um, I am because we are. Um, and there's a, a story that makes the rounds on, on Facebook and Twitter, I imagine, although I haven't seen it on Twitter. It's The sociologist was in a village in Africa, and he got all the kids together in a circle and put a big basket of candy in the middle and said, all right, all the kids, whoever gets the, the basket first gets all the candy, go. And all the kids stood up and joined hands and walked together to the center and each reached forward at the same time and they all grabbed the basket at the same time. And the sociologist was you know, perplexed by this and he said, why, why any one of you could have grabbed that at any time and had it all to yourself, why didn't you? And um, one of the, the girls in the crowd looked at him and said, but if any one of us is sad, then how can any of us be happy? And I find that uh, connection to my fellow human being is the thing that makes me feel alive. We talk on my, on my podcast, one of the first questions we ask is what gives your life purpose? What's your bliss? What makes you feel alive? And when I'm having a conversation um, with another person and you know that they are understanding what you are saying and you are understanding what they're saying and you are connecting on this absolutely truthful level. Like I feel that in my, like I, I feel it in my body. Like I get choked up. My face gets tingly. Um, it is this unbelievably powerful physical feeling when that is happening. And I, I think that we are absolutely connected and we need to remember that. So that one I think is a reminder to myself more than anything. Um, and then the other most recent tattoo that I got, it is a Converse All-Star symbol. It is on my ankle just above where a high top Converse All-Star would go in honor of a family member that died um, last June. And then I have two others on my shoulders. They are a reminder of who I was, uh, not who I am now, but I don't regret them. Uh, they just don't represent who I am anymore. Um, on my left shoulder uh, is a Jesus fish that I got when I was, I think, 19 years old in college. And then on my right shoulder is the word doulos, which means it's Greek for bond servant. And uh, Paul refers to himself as a bondservant to Christ. And at one time, I was a Christian, and I got those tattoos uh, to represent that, and I am no longer. So I, I don't regret them, even though I don't love them anymore. They don't, like, give me joy. But I don't really believe in regrets. I believe in learning. 
Um, and so they're just, they're who I was, not who I am. And that is all my ink so far. Do you want to just take over my show? Like you're seeing a lot of things and I'm nodding like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> and, and my listeners will recognize that too. Like I get, I get itchy at words like regret. I hate the word should. You know, I, I, I don't even oh like the word gosh. sorry. I don't like sorry unless I did something to you in which I need to own. I'm sorry that I did a thing. But like right now I'm going through grieving and I accept that people say they're sorry because they don't know what else to say. But a couple of people have said to me instead, I am sad with you. And that, oh, I love that. I love that. has so much stronger of an impact. And when they say it, and Laura, Laura is listening right now. I'm pointing at her. She, she couldn't say sorry when my dad died because she was like, damn it, Kate. <laughs> I trained her out of using that word. And I'm really quite proud of myself that because I feel like words, when not used precisely, lose power. I totally agree with that. Yeah. And so that's really important. So let me, let me go through my, let me go through my, I, cause I, I am there with you also in that I have both what I would consider ornamental, a couple of ornamental tattoos. And then as time has gone on, they've become more meaningful to me, even if you may not be able to tell that by looking. Mm-hmm. So my oldest tattoo, it, it, you won't see it unless we're real good friends. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just it's 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 on, it's on my my abdomen just over my my hip bone and it's a sunshine wearing sunglasses which is so not my style in so many ways like I'm not into cartoony things whatever but I got it uh when I turned 19 my mother and I went together and this was just like I literally was going for a free tattoo it was my first ever and she had a necklace that had this her the necklace is more sort of stylized and less cartoony, but still, um, that's what the the tattoo is based on. And so, okay. And the reason it's cool now is that maybe a year after she and I did that, her mother went out and got the same tattoo. Oh wow! So that's that cool. was yeah. That's what I'm saying. And then. My daughter, who is now 19, when she turned 18, I told her, if you get that as your first tattoo, I will pay for your second tattoo. <laughs> so she has several. <laughs> my husband's a little less than clear. But so four generations of women in my family had the same tattoo. That is awesome. Which makes me happy. And they're Absolutely. each just a little different. The the so like mine I got before I had children, and so now I have stretch marks that run through the tattoo lines and that kind of thing. But that's that's life. And my grandmother's is slightly different coloring, and my daughter's is black and white. She's an artist, and so she redid it in a way that reflects her, but still meets with you know you'd recognize it as being part of the line. Yep. So that's that. Um, the next one I got maybe a year later, and it's a gecko on my right inner ankle. And that was just cause. Like, <laughs> I, I literally had an hour to kill. I was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire for the day. At the time, I lived in Massachusetts. And Massachusetts, it was illegal to get tattoos until like the year 2000. Seriously? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was up in, in New Hampshire for the day and I was like, I'm going to get a tattoo. And so I did. Um, 
And I do, like, I still have an iguana now. So there is a, a tie to lizards. I always had several in college, but it, it's otherwise, it's just cute. It's just, I flipped through, you know, the photo album that they have in the lobby. And I was like, that one, go. Um, and then after that, I went a really long time without tattoos. I went 15 years without getting another tattoo because n- nothing appealed to me exactly. Like, I didn't have a problem having these, but I didn't want another one. And then in 2010, I had this this health incident happen. And I realized, like, so the reason we started getting tattoos in the first place, my mother and I, is she's she's a social worker and has done a lot of work with elders. And she was with one of her patients in the hospital. She was helping her change into, you know, the hospital Johnny. And in the process, she she discovered that, you know, she'd been working this woman for six months and had never known before that, like, her whole abdomen had this elaborate scene tattooed on her. And my mother was like, you know, Gladys, what, you know, what is this? And... The woman said, well, you know, I knew that someday I would be old and in a hospital bed and being changed and maybe not even have my personality left. And I wanted my caregivers to know that when I could not speak for myself, that I still had a life. And I still get chills when I think about that now. Like, yes, that's why. And so after I had this health incident almost 10 years ago, I realized I got to get back on that. Like, there are things I want to say that I may not be able to say with words. And so, um, a, not quite a year after I got out of the hospital, I went and I got my first, my I got my tramp stamp. <laughs> so, it's on my lower back. <laughs> and it's a solid, I mean, it's big. It's, it's, it's eight inches across. And it is um, a Celtic t- triquetra, which is the, like, the three-pointed triangle of sorts. I'm not describing, I'm I'm drawing it in the air and I recognize you can't see it, but it's a, I've used the symbol as episode R before. And so it's sort of interlocking roughly triangular and it's got a circle that that goes between them. And it it represents a lot of things in Celtic um, mythology, the maiden mother crone phases of life and interactedness in the whole of a circle and family. And just because I think it's cool looking too. And Underneath it, in Celtic, it says "Dilis Dokaskla," which is faith, hope, love, and oh, like that's that. what, that's what I survived. And it, it's not the; it's a different. So it's the the faith meaning the belief that you will get through this, not a religious faith. And the hope is like it's not necessarily shiny, happy, happy optimism but is more the dogged, ragged hope that you have to make this better. And then the gra is more of a, it's not exactly romantic love, but it's a stronger love than friendship. And that's about the time in my life when I stopped differentiating between friends and family. That, there are people who are just friends in the world, but there are also a lot of people with whom I share zero legal or genetic ties, but I love them. They are family. Absolutely. Um, and then the next tattoo after that took two years to put together because I was so sick for such a long time. And mentally, I got worse and worse as I got physically better. 
because when you're physically very ill and you feel sad and you feel angry and you feel frustrated, it makes sense. Like, of course I feel shitty. Like, how could I not? And there came a day at the end of that illness process in 2010 where the last of my doctors effectively looked at me, you know, and two thumbs up. Congratulations, you're all better. You don't need us anymore. And I fell apart after that because I still felt horrible. Just emotionally, I had broken in every possible way. You know, my, my body had broken. My mind had sort of shattered. I, my relationship with the, with the world was different. I lost my career. Like, you choose a dimension and I had lost something. And now I couldn't blame it on being sick anymore. Now I had to accept that this is my new normal. And so I wallowed in that for a long time and struggled for a long time. And I got to a point after maybe a year or two where I got tired of being the one who got sick. And I can remember the day it happened because I was taking my my son to a well child checkup. So 18 months, maybe two years. I don't, I don't remember which one it was, but I took him in and they said something to the effect of, um, we can't remember, was he breastfed or not? And, you know, I was just, I sort of rolled my eyes and I was just like, no, he wasn't. I was in the hospital. I had blah, 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 blah. And the pediatrician looked at me and he goes, that was you? And I was like, I am so sorry. I'm so tired of this being my claim to fame in the world. I don't want this anymore. I don't want to be the woman who got sick and almost died. And so I, I hand wrote the same letter to all of my friends and family, everybody that I thought that I associated with, with getting better and effectively said, I need you to hand write one for, word for me that makes you think of my recovery, not of my illness, because I need a visible physical reminder that I got better. And so I have probably, uh, I don't know, probably 40 words um, that my daughter strung together in a long line. And so that wraps around my left calf from just over my ankle bone up to mid calf. And it's all these words from, you know, some of the stuff you would expect, you know, perseverance. And then there's stuff like metamorphosis and the word pants is on there. <laughs> it's just all of these <laughs> All of these things of each of those words are a story and all together, it kind of comes together to a chorus. And it's in the handwriting because I, I feel like handwriting is a powerful thing. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and we're losing that over time. And so that's, that's that. And that's, hang on, now I have to stop and count to make sure I don't miss any. So that's two, that's four. Okay. Yes. Four. And, um, and then I have four more and the, my other four are on my forearms. And so on my right wrist, inside of my wrist, it looks like a snail. If you were to see it, it just looks like the squiggly of a snail, but it's actually my four children's initials woven together. And above that is a key with a heart that kind of represents the podcast a little bit, sort of. But not really. It's not because of the podcast. This came first. It's the idea of the only difference between us and them, whether them is people in a hospital, 
or people in a prison. Um, is that sometimes the only difference between us and them is who gets a key. And that was always my sort of guiding mantra some days when I was working in a prisoners and when I was working in the locked psych units of like, these are just people, you know, there, but for the grace of God or bad decisions or alcohol go I. Um, And then my other two are on my right forearm. One is, do you know what an ambigram is? A what? An ambigram. It is a word that it's, Sometimes it's the same word both ways, and sometimes it's different words, where it's it's one way this way, and if you flip it upside down, you can still read it. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so right. mine is my, my name one way, and if you flip it upside down, it's my husband's name. That is awesome. And I, cool. I only just learned not too long ago that that's a difficult thing for people to do. Like, I, I write that way. I, I can sketch it and then my daughter can pretty it up and so between us we're a pretty good pair um so yeah that's just a thing and then the last one i just got um almost exactly a month ago are you familiar with the semicolon tattoos yes i am so okay for for onlookers that is the concept that a semicolon is the can instead of coming to a semicolon can join two complete sentences. So instead of getting to the end of a sentence and just having a period, it doesn't have to end. You can just pause and keep going. It's a, it's an anti-suicide message that just keep going. Don't give up. And I got this uh, in March with a very close friend of mine, Jesse, down in Florida. I've known her for 15 years, and she and I have gone through, we've seen some shit, you know? And, uh, yep, yep. and so in my daughter designed it so it looks kind of like a paint splash you know on the uneven edges and kind of like a yin yang and the semicolon is in um what's the word it's reverse so like the semicolon is the only part of the tattoo that is not colored in yes yeah yeah so yeah they, i mean it's funny how they all they don't tell a coherent story for me, but there's a story. And I already know my next, like, three. There's <laughs> <So, laughs> that, too. They are addictive. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you have your next several planned out, or are you waiting? No, I'm waiting. It's funny. I I knew what my first one was going to be, and I waited like two years. In fact, it was a point of pride. I I knew that they were permanent, so I was going to wait a long time. And then I waited about a year before I got my second one. And then my third one, which is the Corvotomous one, I waited a weekend. Um, And then it took longer to get my fourth one because the guy who I went to had to, like, plan it out. and then. Um, yeah, I, I don't know why I went into that, but I, I have ideas. I don't know. Like I, I love to read. I'm a big reader. Reading is absolutely like crucial to me. And so the fact that most of my tattoos are words, I like that. And I think I will probably continue with that. Um, but I broke that with getting the converse, uh, 
I mean, it's got a word on it, but it's not a word. It is, a, you know, an image. So I don't know. Yeah. I forgot I have nine. I forgot one. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't see one. So there's there's one that is over. It's on my my right shoulder up high. So I can't see it unless I just like spin around real fast. But it's an open book with an inkwell. And underneath it, it's a quote from Jane Austen that says, Obstinate, headstrong girl. Nice. That's nice. me. That's me. So sorry. <laughs> I'm just like I'm counting them. And I'm like I always forget one, and it's because I can't see it. So it's back there. Um, there, I find it really hard. Once I get the idea, I find it really hard to wait. Yes. Yeah. I I hear that. And so I mean, I I know for sure now. Um, like my so the the key that is on one forearm is is it's big. You know, it's probably four, five inches long. And I knew I wanted it colored in, but I wasn't really sure did I want to go more silvery or whatever. And I was on the beach. Um, there's a lot of beach glass here. I live in Salem, Mass. And so there's a lot of old beach glass and, and other flotsam, jetsam, whatever. And I found this thing. It's circular, <laughs> and and it's originally either copper or bronze, but it's got that greenish patina on it. Mm-hmm. And I realized that that's the color I want. So I'm going to have to find somebody who speaks color <laughs> better than I do, <laughs> so that I can bring that in and be like, "Put this here, please." Um, but so that's that's on my list. And this summer, two months from now. Um, there's a podcast festival happening in Chicago. It is primarily true crime, but they're letting me come play. And <laughs> I have been, so it's a whole story that I won't hit you with, but I have become associated with owls in my show. Yeah. Um, yeah. Murder birds specifically. Yep. <laughs> and like to the point where people are mailing me, things with owls on them you know i'm looking at like i have i have earrings i have ceramic owls i have stickers it's amazing it is the best thing ever and so it's about time for me to get a murder bird tattoo and i still no, I, yeah yeah i don't know where yet so i got a couple more months for it to make thorough sense because like i get stuck you so, know like i like them on, on my forearms because i can see them because i hate that i can't see the book that's over my shoulder because I forget it. So I've got a little time to decide where, but it's going to have to be a murder bird. And my sister and I um, have been planning for a while. Different, you know, we, so when I, I'm, it's all stories tonight, apparently it's story hour. Um, <laughs> I am the eldest in my generation in our families and we're from upstate New York. So we're rednecks. And so when I was born, all four of my great grandmothers were still alive, plus one of my great grandfathers, all four of my grandparents, you know, just the generations are close in my family. And um, so most of my great grandmothers really liked birds, like regular birds, not murder birds. And um, so my sister and I want to get the, the little tattoos behind the ear. And I'm going to get a hummingbird and she's going to get a bluebird. 
So that's on the agenda. And then my father died two weeks ago. And I have a, there's a certain, his writing was distinctive. You talk about handwriting. And he, for reasons not entirely clear, I don't remember, but there is not a word on my, on my other tattoo that was written by him. But I have a photo of a card he'd written, just signed, you know, I love you, dad. And so that's going on sometime soon. Absolutely. Yeah, I I bartend on the weekends um, for my, essentially my brother-in-law's bar. Um, and one of the people that comes in has WWTBD written on her wrist. Like, what, like, if you were to put your fist down, like, where that part of your wrist, um, it, it's where this is. And I was noticing it, and I said, so what does WWTBD stand for? And I forget what her father's name was, but she said, it's my dad's initials. What would, I think his name was Tim Do, and it was in his handwriting. And uh, at first, she got it kind of as a joke before he died, Um but then when he did die, she was, you know, it changed the meaning for her significantly to have that in his handwriting. Um, yeah. So that sounds beautiful to get your father's handwriting. Love dad. That's just beautiful. Well, yeah, uh, I think that there's a power to that. And, you know, I, you can't, go back and get it from a person later. You know, like, I mean, I guess I could go back and like find, I don't know, pick a grandparent. I could, I could go through their papers and maybe piece together a word, but it's not the same as having the phrase written that means something. Right. Absolutely. And it's funny because like I have piercings. Just my just my ears now, right? Yes, just my ears. I have eight, four in each ear. Um, they mean like nothing to me, you know. That's just a throw off. It's a impulsive. It's like one of them is that like a, I think they call it industrial, where it's the earring itself is like an inch and change long with two, two holes. Um, it's big and unusual and that was because my daughter was getting a tattoo with her friend and i was jealous <laughs> so I went, <laughs> I went and got a piercing so that i wasn't left out but um but it's just funny how people will either do what you and i just did and, and have you know 10 or 15 minutes worth of stories or you'll get somebody to be like i don't know i like the color uh-huh. And I think both are valid. Yes. Like I used to think, like like you described about your first tattoo about with with thinking about it being permanent and waiting a long time to be really sure. And so I think that's part of why there was like a 15 year gap in tattoos for me. This was like, yep. I don't really know what I really want to do next. And so I'm going to really wait a long time and really, really, really. And then I, I, I had this near death experience. And I mean, they, they, they literally told my husband to start planning the funeral 
Um, wow. And and realize like, what are we waiting for? Uh, if, the, if I know what I want, I'm not going to get more sure of it. And if I end up changing my mind, it's still valid. Like my husband and I joked when I got our, like, I'm not, we've been married 18 and a half years. And so I, you know, we're doing okay, <laughs> but, um, but I'm not the type to like, I wouldn't get like just his name. Right. On right. me anywhere or whatever. Like we're not that cute. Like we barely we don't do valentine's day and we barely do much for the off years of our anniversaries you know and um we do like every five years we'll do something if we remember and we're not sick you know <laughs> but um we sound like a terrible couple right now that's hilarious sorry willem i'm sorry <laughs> but that um i'm not just gonna get his name on record but at the same time he has seen me at my absolute worst and insists on loving me anyway and i know that even when i don't have my best interests at heart he does Mm -hmm. and i feel like that requires acknowledgement like in in my head it does and um and so i got this here's a way of like combining us combining our names and still not not having it being like cutesy like willem's girl (laughs) It's not my style at all. I can't even say it with a straight face. But <laughs> but that he and I were talking about it because I got it for him, for him, uh, sort of. I got it for me, but it was a surprise to him when I got it. And afterward, I was like, I sure hope you like it because it's permanent. And he's like, well, what if we break up tomorrow? Just because we, we are both sick in that way. And he's like, well, what if I just left? And I was like, well, but that's the thing is that it doesn't matter what happens tomorrow. You've, we've been together half my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I met him when I was 16 years old. We started dating when I was 19. And so even if we break up tomorrow, first of all, he's taking the kids. <laughs> Secondly, it's part of my life. It's a formative part of my life. Like my mother makes me crazy like i i really can't spend too much time in a room with her because i turn into someone i don't like when i'm around my mother but she's one of the most important women in my life ever right and so i don't for a second regret getting a tattoo with her and so i just feel like there's something to that to that i would not choose to get this again now and it is not ink that i show off like I said, unless we're real good friends, but I don't have a second's regret. Absolutely. So, is your is is your wife tattooed? No, she has said um, that she cannot possibly think of anything that she would want to have that she knows that she would want to have forever. So. Um, she certainly doesn't mind mine, and I think that she actually like she, her favorite is the the one uh, the Asada Shakur quote. Um, but she has no desire to get one um, <laughs> on her own on her on her body. We are married to the same people too. Oh my god! <laughs> my husband has no he has no interest, and it's the same deal. He's just he doesn't have any problem with the fact that I do, but he's just like, yeah, no, that's not ever going to happen. Yep. Yeah. 
And it's, it's funny that way. There's a lot of that. You know, there are some couples where they're all linked up together, and that's great. My daughter and I have gone a couple of times together now um, to get, you know, in different, like, I went, I've, I've sat and held her hand with a couple of different ones at this point. And, um, and that's fine. But then there also seems to be this, this balance sometimes where he's the fun dad, but I'm the cool mom. So it works. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I, um, so my kids are all below the age where they can be getting any tattoos, but um, my oldest, when she was, I don't know, like six or so, maybe five, she was drawing on herself and it was in permanent marker. And I was like, hey, you need to stop that. That's not going to come off. And my wife looked at me and goes, really, Tommy? And I go, what? And she just looked at my like forearm where my tattoo was. And then she just kind of rolled her eyes. And I'm like, okay, well, I mean, yeah, but... I'm an adult. I can choose things that aren't going to come off. <laughs> I can also say fuck. <laughs> I mean, yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, status crimes are among my favorite group of criminal offenses. Uh, things that are only a crime for some. <laughs> such as yes. drinking, such as getting tattoos, such as swearing in public or otherwise. Yeah. Love yeah. that. Yeah, we've actually told my oldest now, actually both my almost 12-year-old and my 9-year-old, that if they uh, choose to use curse words appropriately, meaning um, in the right context and like not just, not just like randomly blurting out words, but um, to express themselves, and as long as they're not using it as a weapon towards somebody, then they're allowed to. And neither one of them will. And in fact, my oldest really, really loves a couple of songs that have fuck in it, but she should like ask to play it when my parents are around or when there are little kids around. I'm like, okay, no, because of the context, but you're fine listening to it otherwise. But then when she does listen to it, she'll sing every word and then she'll like look at me when the F-bomb is going to be there, and then I'll like kind of look at her too, and then she'll censor herself, and it just cracks me up. That's too funny. So we had, a, you know, I, I used to, I swear a lot more now that I have a podcast than I did before. <laughs> <laughs> and so for a while, I would try to like get out of podcast mode when I was back around the kids, and I was like, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> Instead... <laughs> We have a discussion exactly like this is uncanny. I, I want to just put that out there. It's uncanny because we have the same discussion with our kids. It's about if you're going to swear, do it grammatically correctly and in appropriate context. And don't teach the other kids in school. Yep. Like, I don't want it to be my fault that they go home and get in trouble. So, you know, and so we've learned to in times like one of the, so my, my youngest and I, it can be really hard for her and I to connect. She's got some significant social and developmental dis delays and i mean she she has a i can't say a stronger bond with my husband and other kids but it's a simpler bond with them sure. because she never had a father and she never had siblings and so it's kind of easier to play that plus she can watch the other kids 
and figure out how they are to each other, how they are to my husband. She's, she's, she's a world-class mimic. So fine. But with me, she doesn't have to just, she can't just fake how to be with me. She also needs to remove two prior mother figures because her, her biological mother let her down and her biological grandmother was her caregiver during the days when her bio mom was working. And so it's like she has to replace two people before she can get to me. And so it's just a sort of a fraught relationship more. Um, I don't know how to describe it. It's not a fear thing. It's just that she doesn't know how to interact with me in the same way. And so we, we develop our sort of routines. And one of them is that we can, we can go driving and we can go car dancing. And that's a thing that she and I totally understand because eye contact is really hard for her. Um, she doesn't know how to not. So she has what's called reactive attachment disorder, which is kind of like autism, but like the flip side. So autism is a lot about very clear boundaries. Like once you learn a rule, that is the rule forever. And it's yep. really hard to learn a new one. Whereas she doesn't have rules. And so like, she never experienced stranger anxiety. She doesn't like if, if, if you're not supposed to, you know, rip a book in half in the living room, she can learn that. But then when she steps into the dining room, that rule must not apply anymore. Right. Right. It's, just, it's that sort of thing. And so eye contact is tough for her, not in the way of making like it, it can make someone with autism very uncomfortable if it's too intense. Um, Instead, for her, it's more that she just, she can't read when you're getting uncomfortable. So she'll either avoid eye contact or she'll stare until you're like, you know, you feel like you're in the, you know, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, especially when it comes from your six-year-old. So so instead, when we're in the car, that's always been a great place for me to talk to the kids anyway, because they're a captive audience. And so that's when I get a lot of information out of them. And when she's in the back seat, now we can chat some, but also we can do our car dancing and it's cool because there's not that direct eye contact. And one of the bands that is an overlap that was an early favorite is Macklemore and Ryan Lewis. And they swear a lot. (laughs) And so for a while I would think through the song and I would sort of override the lyrics. So in the song thrift shop there's a line this is fucking awesome and i would sing yep. it to her as this is something awesome yeah yeah and that kind of thing and then when about the time she started kindergarten i was like you know what just don't say the word just don't just don't this is the least of my worries sending you to public school just just go <laughs> so <laughs> we have figured it out absolutely but that's the thing is I feel like words matter both in terms of using them specifically, using them as intended, but also taking some of the fear out of it. Like you are not a bad person just because you say a bad word. Absolutely. Well, and the, the way we define the word, the, the phrase bad word, Judy Bloom has a, has a quote, um, fuck is not a bad word. War is a bad word. Hatred is a bad word. And I, I think should. that. Should, yes. 
You know, it's interesting. We interviewed a Buddhist um, man on, on my podcast uh, about a month ago, and his, his episode hasn't come out yet, but um, he talked about how should is one of the causes of um, discontent and anguish in life because we get stuck in this concept of the way things should be. And I had a really hard time with that because I'm a really big believer in our ability to work to make change. Like there are things outside of our control, absolutely. But there are things inside our control that we can work to change. And so it really bothered me when he was saying that. And so I kind of pushed back against him to explain that and to explain it in the context of what about when we feel a righteous indignation or righteous anger that we want to make things better because things should be better? And he said, ah, that's because things could be better. And could means that there's potential that we can work towards. It should means it should be now and it's not. And that makes me angry. And hearing him say that, like, I did not make that connection until he said it. There is a huge difference between should and could. And so, yes, should is hugely problematic. I haven't been, you know, watching my vocabulary for it since that conversation, but this conversation is bringing that back to mind. And I really appreciated him saying that, that, you know, defining the, the distinction between should, which is, has a tendency to create, you know, pain in our experience, in our, in our existence, as opposed to could, which does lend itself towards optimism and working towards change. But I think also could implies that you've assessed the situation and determined what is possible and therefore allowed things to set aside. Whereas should, there's a value-ladenness to it that, that ties in closely with shame and guilt that, you know, I, so the phrase that I use is don't should all over yourself. Don't beat yourself up for how I should feel because that's the worst to me. Like the ultimate worst is how I should feel because no, 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 you feel how you feel. And that is valid. However you feel is okay. It may not be desirable. And maybe next time you want to behave in ways that will change how you ultimately feel. But should implies like there's a thing over there and that's the ideal and I'm way over here and I'm not ideal. And I don't like that. Don't shoot all over yourself. Give yourself credit for feeling how you feel because when you can do that, you're living a more genuine existence and that allows you then to more accurately assess what could you do differently. Yep. Agreed. And so, yeah, it's just, you know, and it's semantics. It is, except why do we have the different words unless we use them? Absolutely. Yeah. And I get stuck, too, on on how do you make those value comparisons of what is better to you versus to me versus to someone else? You know, and I've worked in prisons where, Nope. I mean, nobody's there because they, they in kindergarten were like, I'm going to be a felon. But they did the best they could with what they had. And this is where they ended up. 
So are they bad people? Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. But mostly, they're just people. They're just... They made some bad choices or life just handed them, you know, a crappy set of starting variables that they then did what they could with. So from a tallying of our own tattoos to talking about felons, you know, like you do, it just worked. And that's one of the coolest things about podcasting to me is that it just works and it works like every time. And after this conversation, I spent a lot of time thinking, would I have gotten the same tattoos in the same order, you know, with the mindset of like, if I knew then what I know now? And the answer is, of course not. My ink is my story of my life. And making one or two decisions differently, knowing in advance how things are going to turn out, whether it's, you know, what grade you're going to get on a test or something, or you guys don't need me to go through the list of shit that 2019 has handed to me again, right? Because God damn, like any of that stuff, if I had known in advance, of course I would have made different decisions. And making different decisions means I have different ink because I have a different story. So, I don't know. I'm all philosophical and maybe it's lack of oxygen. But I just feel like this conversation hit me at the right moment, both when we recorded, which was closer in time to some of the big bad of my dad's death and and my surgery and so on. But also now, while I'm I'm feeling bad for myself. Like I'm sitting home and pouting because I was supposed to go to a concert with Emily and her girlfriend tonight. And instead I'm staying home with the younger kids. Well, well, okay. I'm ignoring the younger kids at home while they watch a movie because I'm not well enough to handle the drive to a concert, much less sitting outside for three hours. And that blows. But apparently it's better to make this decision. You know, I know it's better to make this decision to just rest and chill and give myself the downtime and I'll get better faster. Right? Right. I mean, I, I fucking hope so guys, because I'm really tired and I'm looking for whatever positivity I can find. So this conversation felt positive to me and I'm going to keep scrambling because each day it's harder to find positivity when I keep having more pile on myself, but it's got to be worth it. It's got to be. Didn't you feel better before you knew that? So Tommy, thank you so much for your time and your conversation and just your spirit. It was, it's a good thing. It's a bright light. Thank you to Melanie, who is my latest patron. That's amazing. And I'm so grateful I, you guys have no idea how cool it is to open my email and see that I have a new patron. And especially now as I'm scrambling to save every sort of dollar that I can for Chicago and stuff, like it's, I'm so, I'm, I'm going to get another tattoo in when I'm in Chicago and every patron is going to have a little piece of that tattoo to themselves, sort of, as it were. You can't take it back though. I'm telling you, you can't take it back. Whatever. Oxygen deprivation. Bear with me. 
Thank you guys for listening. And, you know, check out the show notes for information about the live show and the True Crime Podcast Festival and Tommy's show and all of the things. And I hope to be back this weekend. It really depends on, you know, how I'm feeling. I'm going to release episodes when I feel like I can. And it's lucky that tonight I felt like I could. So cool. Oh, yeah. But also, by the way, I am just about to hop on Skype and record a special Patreon perk. So if you're not on there, I'm just saying it's pretty fucking cool, the idea that we have. And so you might want to get there. So anyway, I will be back in in touch online, whatever the fuck, as soon as I can. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Stay sane. Heather from Sunshine and Power Cats, the podcast. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Podcast that features two types of episodes which alternate. The Sunshine ones offer inspiration drawn from nature, but in the Power Cut ones, I share honest insights into my life living off the power grid in rural New Zealand. If you'd like to check it out, it can be found where good podcasts can be downloaded, and you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at SunPowerPod. Until then, be empowered by nature.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match, with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.